Hello everybody and welcome to the to-do list. So today we are going to talk about some very unique travel experiences that we have had while traveling outside of the United States. Yes, so this doesn't always mean our most favorite. It could. Uh, doesn't always have to be positive either. It just has to be memorable. And I will say all of these are. So with that, here we go. Hi, this is Noah. Hey, it's Camberly, and this is the, the to-do, to-do list. list. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, this week's topic for us is most unique travel experiences internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, this topic was kind of a conversation between Camberly and I, but what stuck with me about it is I've been in this whole lockdown uh situation we've been in i've been researching countries around the world where i have not been and where i want to go and when i'm i'm actually ranking them i'm actually literally ranking countries around the world where i want to go and what stuck with me about it is when i'm deciding on this ranking it's kind of like huh what makes this country different than this country like what makes bermuda different than saint lucia or what makes sweden different than finland um, and and I'm kind of looking at what makes each travel experience unique and what are some of those, I almost want to say once in a lifetime experience mm-hmm. that will stick with you. Because I think that that's one of the things that makes travel beautiful is it's that experience. Like how many people go to the Empire State Building a year or how many people go to the Eiffel Tower? But what makes it unique to the individual is their experience there. So right. the question for the week is, what are your five most unique experiences in international travel we wanted to look abroad this week as opposed to looking only at United States travel. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add about that concept? Or you just want to get right <laughs> no, to it, right at it. You're excited? I mean, yeah. All right. Yeah. You get to go first. Oh, I see... always end up going first, which is just too much pressure. It's too much pressure? Do you want me but... to go first? No, I'll go oh, first. Oh, okay, okay. Heck, heck, yeah. So going off of that, I think for me... We're going to jump back on a topic that I always end up coming back to. Everybody Ooh. knows. No, no, no. Everybody knows I'm going to go back to this. And it's always <laughs> Iceland. Oh, <laughs> always okay. Iceland. All right. Straight off the bat, Yoko Sarland. Uh, Yoko okay. Sarland and that whole kind of region with the big ass glacier. All of that because <laughs> it was just, yeah, hands down. I think there's something very special about glacier. being able to travel around a country and get to something like a glacier that's so accessible is part of it is that usually you're gonna have to climb somewhere or like travel really far out and with iceland you just ride on the circle and eventually you're gonna get to it even if you choose not to go into yokosarland like we did that area you can go into the national park or you could just drive around and see it it is such an experience i think it's the third largest um glacier in the world and it's just such a cool experience and something that i didn't expect to really see but for me actually going into yoko sarlin and seeing the way that uh, the pieces of the glacier had broken apart and floated around in the little lagoon there was so cool. And it's um, almost um, otherworldly to a degree. Uh-huh. And that's what I really like about it. It's like almost being on a different planet. I, it's interesting you choose a word, word or phrase, other wor- no, the word otherworldly, because uh-huh. I was like, yeah, it almost feels like we're on the edge of the world. Yeah. You feel very isolated and like... Coming from New York, where everything is so populated and there's and dense, there's so many people. Yeah, you feel very isolated. And you're like, hey, 
this is my little corner of the world. So it's interesting you chose that word. I'm like, yeah. yeah well, it is. There's like two times that I've had that experience, and I won't give the other one away. Because um, it's here? Someday. It's coming? I don't oh, know. Okay, I'm kind okay. of still wavering a little bit. Ah. But it's kind of that effect of being in a snow globe. Oh, That's okay. what I call, I call it, the snow globe effect, which is kind of, you're in a snow globe, and it's so isolated, and just... You're in that one spot at that one time, and it's beautiful, and it's this great experience, and that's what Yoko Sarlam was to me was that snowball effect. I just I loved it. Yeah, that that was hands well not hands down my favorite, but definitely in my top five unique travel experiences. Ex- yeah, it's, yeah, not it's unique travel experiences. Unique right? it was travel unique. experience. Yeah. No, I'm just it is very unique to Iceland. I'm sure other countries do it, but that's what I experienced. But I really also, like it. why I specify it's unique is because you went way positive. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily go positive. I went well. I don't know that it was negative. I just well. I don't know that it's an experience I want again. It was, and I felt it was unique. Mm-hmm. It was in Prague. It was, <laughs> we got Ugh. trapped in a cemetery. You chose that. I, it's oh unique. Boy, that's is, not, it, is it unique? I skipped those experiences. But was but it unique? It, it was unique. It was unique. It was, it was and, unique. And, that's, and I think that, I mean, it's a story to tell, I guess, but it's also kind of like, I guess I could be locked in a cemetery anywhere, I guess. You could. But I don't know they're all gated off like that. But this. I think also added to it was the lack of our knowledge of language, of, of the Czech, Czech language, yeah. and their knowledge of the English language, which made it even... It was just a fun little sitcom. So basically what happened was, we were in the Czech Republic, and some one of the things that Camberley and I sometimes do, depending on the country, is we will visit cemeteries. Part of it is, it's not necessarily a morbid thing, but maybe no. it may turn into a morbid conversation. But it's kind of like... Some countries and the way that they pay respect for those who have passed, a lot of the gravestones in some places, like in Normandy, were very simple. Their, their crosses yes. or their, the Star of David, they were very um, similar. Mm-hmm. Some countries, like in Argentina, La Recoleta, they have ornate statues and just are very uh, unique to them. Even Japan, because that's one I want to point oh, out with their... Yeah, yeah. their um, uh, give me the word. Starts with the S. I'm not going to. <laughs> it's not Shires. I'm going to remember this later. But they have like these beautiful. It's just different, and they'll like put um, tea and beer for shrines. the person out shrines. Thank you. Hi. That's where you're And that's okay. the one. <laughs> and so then they'll put out things that the person liked, like little snacks and things at the shrine and light incense. You're not going to see that everywhere, and so that's kind of not to cut you off. Yeah, but yeah. That's kind of the experiences when you travel around the world. Everybody has different customs. Like if you go to certain countries, all the you know, stones are, are facing Mecca or whatever. It's just such a unique thing to every culture, and I think that's why we do it. So and it's so, not because we're weirdo. People. Well, no, and we had. I think we had read this one in a guidebook, and we wanted to go there. And um, the, there was a, a specific grave I was looking for. It's Franz Kafka. Mm-hmm. I was looking for Kafka's grave just because he was one of the more yeah. famous people buried here. So we went there, and they they d- weren't. They didn't give warning calls about what time they closed the gates. They didn't give any sort of warning. I think there were hours posted, but there if was. I remember right. We were still before that time. Yeah, it was 5 o'clock, and they closed it early. Yeah, and we weren't the only ones. So I would say there were about, what did you say, 15 to 20 of us? I would say there was a good 15. Yeah. 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 Of varying languages. Mostly like we were Czech. Mostly, but there, not all. There were some Spanish speakers, I remember. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I remember this experience. And so we were trapped. They shut the gates. Didn't tell nobody. And these no are bells. Low gates. No, they were high <laughs> gates. They were probably like 10, would you say 8 to 10 feet tall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, they, no warnings, no nothing. They just shut the doors, you're there. Mm-hmm. And we're like, there is, was a box or a phone, something where you could press a button and they would contact somebody to come and get you. 
We were waiting, what would you say, a good half an hour? A while. And then we were talking to people who were on the cell phone calling the number two. You could use your cell phone. Yeah. And remember there was this woman. I don't know if she was homeless. I remember I her. have no issue with I remember that. Her. Everybody yes. lives their own life, and some people <laughs> hit harder times. But she was a little... Maybe she wasn't. It could be she was just very off. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing a necklace, and it wasn't expensive, but she kept eyeing it. Maybe she just liked it. She was making me a little bit uncomfortable because she kept getting too close and eyeing me up a little bit, and she just wasn't all there. So that made the situation for me a little bit more like, what A little bit hell? more tense. <laughs> yeah, so it was taking a while for them to respond to the numerous calls. So finally, I'm like, dude, I, I was turning to Camberley, and I said, dude. You want to jump this? She's like, I can't. I'll boost you. I can, we can do this. We got this. Oh, like, I didn't need the boost. We're, but we're, we're th- <laughs> we, we can get over this. We can make it happen. We're a, physically able enough to make I this. I trees in the Northwest. I got We this. We made this jailbreak. <laughs> so essentially, we broke out of the cemetery prison and then went along our merry way. Well, kind of. What kind else did of. We do? Do because, we have someone else too? I don't well, know. I tried to because I, I okay. I tend to be very much a humanitarian. I want to help people, maybe to my own detriment sometimes, because it's just sometimes people don't want to be helped, but whatever. So, this a couple of the people oh, wanted yeah. out, and I remember turning back to a couple of the couples who had been nice to us but didn't speak a lot of English, and I said, "Do you want help? We'll help you over." And, and she like, like yeah. she like kind of like patted my hand because I reached it through, and she's like no, saying no, basically they'll wait, they'll wait. And um, that was the police coming after us. In yeah. <laughs> that was a special effect. After our break. After, after our break, jail break. Yeah, that's what happened. No, but yeah, we tried to like offer to help a couple people, but they were older. They were, I'd say they were in their 50s and we're like, no, we're not doing this. This I is remember, shenanigans. <laughs> I remember I boosted you over or helped you over a bit and then I was going to go after. No, but I, I climbed. I had to push you up a little. Trust me. Really I climbed. But there was a woman, I remember I offered to do the same for her. <laughs> That's why I know I helped I know. you a little bit because I offered to do the same for her on her side now that I think of it. Um, she wasn't that old, but she wasn't feeling it. Like, yeah, she some people me. aren't. Like, whatevs. Anyway, unique travel experience? <laughs> Doing a jailbreak from a cemetery in Prague. Absolutely. I would consider that an experience. I did think about that one. I didn't say it was pa- I meaning that's why I said unique. It's we, exactly. It's unique. It's not I would say that that is a travel experience that not everyone has. Would I recommend it? I'm not going to say that either. No. But no. it was an experience. It's not like going to the Eiffel Tower. It probably won't happen, but it did. No, it did. Yeah, we can't guarantee that it can be replicated. No. It was definitely authentic. Whereas going to Yoko Sarlin, I would argue you know, could be replicated. You could replicate that and very, very easily. positive experience. So, the one that um, I chose actually the next one is very near and dear to me, kind of. Um, so anyone who knows me well, any of my friends, and um, any, I'm sure you know, I, I'm, I'm, I love Korean anything. <laughs> so I love Korea. I'm learning the Korean language, uh, Majayo. And um, what does Majayo mean? It means uh, right. Okay. Oh, kind okay. Of, yeah. Majayo. Yeah. So I, um, I love, I love Korea, and so. There's a lot of unique experiences there, but there's one in particular that I really would recommend to everyone, and um, we actually hope to do a full podcast on this, so I'm not going to go into too many details, but it is the DMZ. Without getting too much into it, it's basically the border between North and South Korea. You can go there, and (laughs) there's several different tour groups, but we decided to go with the USO. Again, we'll do this in the future podcast but um we went 
And what they do is they take you to the border, and then there's like this famous area where you can meet North and South Korea. They can go into this like conference room, and sit and talk, and then go back over to their different borders. And they take you into that room briefly, and you can go to different parts along the way and see uh, the main city that's there on the border. And it's just very interesting. I will say that the experience. Um, <sighs> There's kind of a tension that you're not going to experience any. Well, maybe you could somewhere else, but it's very unique. There's a certain tension about. Well, being they, there. isn't it reputed to be the most highly militarized border in the world? Yes, yes, so, it is. And it, what I think it, is that what you're alluding to, kind of. It, no, it's just this weird feeling because they've destroyed all of the wildlife and stuff in that area. They got rid of all the shrubbery and stuff so that they can watch each other closely. So it's just. You don't hear a lot of birds. You don't really hear anything. It's just an odd feeling. For me, it was. Maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't for you. And then part of it is you're so close to um, Incheon Airport. Oh. <laughs> well, Incheon Airport and also Seoul. You know, you, th- you realize how close it all is to the main city. And it's just so unique. And the things that ma- they make you do. And you can't take pictures in certain areas. And you have to take pictures in a specific way. And it's just so unique and there's soldiers on both sides watching this whole thing you know and the north korean side snapping photos at everybody in line and you become an enemy of the state it's very strange again future podcast because it, it was interesting but for me that was one of the most unique experiences you know and it is a little bit more expensive than i usually like to spend on experiences mm, it was worth it to me yeah exactly it was for me because it's something that um you're not going to get anywhere else in the world thank god for better or for worse i mean you know which is kind of sad but then on the other hand it's really interesting especially if you're a history buff um i tend to like certain parts of history and i find them intriguing and this is one of them especially because i love korean culture so much so it was really really unique and and even though you mentioned the 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 united states military is there Yes. And the Korean military is there. Yeah. It's we're. It's not that we were put in danger per se. No, we were instructed on how to strict. act. Um, so now I have an ethical decision because I actually that was on my list as well. Well, that talk was, about it. I know. I <laughs> no, but I do think I, I, I almost don't want to pick an alternate because I almost want to agree with you because yeah. that was one of my mo- most unique travel experiences. Um, and we didn't say these are necessarily good or bad. But that, I do think that's something yeah. you're not going to get anywhere else in the world. And if I were going to Korea for the first time, it's something we discussed before mm-hmm. we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which one. I think Kimberly actually I suggested <laughs> it more than I did. But I definitely wasn't anti it. Yeah. I wasn't against it because it's kind of like one of those things, not obligatory or you have to do. Yeah. Because obviously... You know, it's not the happiest experience, and it's not the happiest trip, well, and it's, no, it's not necessary like, for everyone. It's kind of like if you go to see like the Holocaust, uh, Muse- yeah, not Auschwitz. The, the Auschwitz. It's yeah. not. It's going to be. I would imagine. I've never been there. That it's pretty emotional, and it's probably pretty powerful. So it, it would be something that was very memorable to me. It, it, sometimes it doesn't have to be happy. You no. know, it can just be something that's powerful, and I feel. Like, the DMZ is extremely powerful with what it represents and what happened to this country, 
And it, it, it just, to me, was extremely powerful. So I'm actually going to agree. It's going to be number two on my list just because it was on my list originally and I thought, huh, because I, I prepared some alternates just in case. Save but I'm like, I actually believe in the DMZ firmly enough. I think it it's unique of the of the experiences I've had. I'm not saying these are the most unique experiences in the world, but of the ones we've, we've we had. Can't and speak also, for we're not else. ranking them either. It's just we're putting yeah. them out there. But yeah, it's just for good or for bad, it was something that I don't think I could experience anywhere else. Yeah. And it was, I know for you, I think a highlight of Korea. Um, oh, for me it was, yes. Yeah. But I'm not, I, I will also give this disclaimer I am not the Korean buff that Kimberly is. <laughs> if you uh, are. Kamsahamnida <laughs> is what I got. Annyeonghaseyo. <laughs> is all I got. I, I mean, I learned some Korean, but I'm not the buff. Anyway, that makes your, your back up. Yeah. That was quick. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So can you do another one? Or are you going to yeah. make me go? All right. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm making you go again, but that's oh. my number two. Is that all right? Because oh. I didn't want to shift. Oh. I know. Okay, so <laughs> I can do it. So the next one is, <laughs> this will probably be on your damn list too, um, is the Northern Lights. Now, this is tough. Because yes, why is it tough? For it's us? tough because you can see the northern lights in many different places. You can see in the United States. You can't. This sometimes. was international Torres. You international. But it is mostly I know. outside. I'm, I'm and, playing and, with you. Oh, okay, I'm like, oh, so no, I'm not <laughs> like, taking it away from you. Um, so no, it's it's something that can be seen in many different places, and in the U.S. That is true, and in our friends in the north, Canada. So you can, but I think for me. When I saw it, again, this is in Iceland. Iceland is magical. Um, it was a, one of those experiences that I can't even express. I just, I think every human being should see the Northern Lights at least once in their life. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't get political or whatever, or religious or anything. I'm not a religious person. I tend to be a little bit more spiritual, but it was almost like this connection to something that was bigger and greater than myself. And I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but. And even at this, specifically the things that I was going through at that time, it just seemed bigger than me. It seemed like bigger than anything. And it kind of made so many other things in life so insignificant. It was that powerful. And again, it may not be like that for everyone. It was my mindset at the time and, and things that were going and not trying to bring the crowd down. But I think that's why it was so powerful to me. And it, there's nothing quite like it. And it's almost like you know, a high. So now I keep trying to find it again. I want to keep traveling yes. to places to see it again, to chase that high. <laughs> Which is part of the reason why you were drawn to Finland. Yes, because Finland has some of the best views of it and it rained or was cloudy the whole time we were there. But that's okay. It's still a lovely country. But I you know, definitely am looking at Canada next and winter uh, <laughs> trying to get there. <laughs> well, and, and there are websites, from what I understood, while we were in Finland, after, I'm not saying oh, Iceland yeah. awakened this inner northern light seeker within Camberley but I will say when we oh, were I've in Finland I've always wanted to see it since I was a little girl well there was an app in her that, well after Iceland I felt like the fire re-emerged and she yeah. was seeking them out regularly and there was an app or a website where yeah there's websites out there that. where it basically will show you where you are and it'll tell you how um, everything if everything's lining up if, with the magnetism in the, the atmosphere and the atmosphere cloudiness and weather tell you how high basically your chances are it doesn't mean it's going to happen but they have things to measure that so you can pull that up and then check and and i think that when i was thinking of my most unique travel experiences i did think of that i i think part of my um not hesitation because obviously we've talked about being trapped in kafka cemetery but uh and replicating things the northern lights is hard i feel hard to Mm -hmm. replicate 
We went to Finland, hopefully, yeah. and that's part of one of the debates we had when we were planning our uh, trip to Finland. We talked about whether or not we should go to Russia or whether or not oh, we should go Talon. north. Estonia. Yeah. Well, Estonia was an option. I thought we talked about St. Petersburg as well. Uh, well oh, Talon, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had talked about options, as it were. And when we were looking at that, we talked about going north. Part of it was the Northern Lights was a factor. Because we felt like the farther yeah. you go north, the more likely your chance of seeing the Northern Lights would be. Sure. Um, we didn't see it. I still don't regret it. I, I guess... Oh, I don't either. I think... But people, you have to be careful when you're going after those Northern Lights because... Meaning if you're out hunting. If you're out hunting. Like, yeah. Because there's places where you can go and sleep under the stars, under domes. Clear domes mm-hmm. at night. And, and the thing is, they're expensive. They're four or $500 a night. And so you could go and drop that. And then you don't see them. Because there are and no guarantees. you're just in the middle of like the wilderness with the bubble tent thing. You know, it keeps you warm. And you're just like, yay. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, you know, if you live in an area like Iceland or Finland, you're going to see them if you're living there for a year. But, you know, if you're chasing it, you know, it, it's really tough. And that's what partway made it really magical was we weren't supposed to see it that time of year. If you want to hear the full story, <laughs> you can go to our Iceland episode. But, um, yeah, and that's what made it really magical, too, was we weren't supposed to see it. And boom. Bam, we were blessed. Amazing. All right, so my... I, okay, this one you can replicate, and I'll say it. This one, yeah, I feel it was a unique experience. I don't feel I could get this everywhere. I'd have to research where else I could have this. So this one is spending a night in a cave hotel. I, yeah. I, we did this in a region. Um, Gorame was the city in Turkey. It was a region called Cappadocia. And Camberley, which this is rare... She let me book hotels. And originally, I had brought up a cave hotel like to her, like I'd say a month or two weeks before I actually booked it. And she was not necessarily like, oh yeah, let's do it. Because Camberley doesn't like bugs. Camberley no. doesn't like the cold. No. Camberley, I, I can't say, I'm not saying staying in a cave hotel is like camping, but I can honestly say. No, it's not. Camberley and camping probably aren't good friends. I should try it again, though. To become reacquainted. Yeah. To, to, yeah. Well, let's just say that I felt at that time, Camberley felt a cave hotel might be too similar to roughing it. But honestly, uh, did you enjoy it? It was very unique. I mean, it is a cave. Yes. It's not a joke. You were staying <laughs> in a cave. And so yes. they make it really cozy. And they give you a door. We got a door. Oh, well, I think yeah, we had I, tea. Didn't we have tea? Yeah, it, it's basically different parts of a cave dug out for different rooms. And our bathroom was pretty big, if I remember right. It was pretty yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. it was really nice. Yeah. It was oh, huge. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just... I mean, And we had our own little, like... It's cozy in its own way, but, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I felt it. So for me, it was unique to get that experience to spend a night in a cave hotel. Of the three, I've... Well, the DMZ, I've done it. Would I do it again? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But a cave hotel? Yeah. I loved it. And part of it was the hotel we were at specifically was so nice in that their breakfast, it was some of the freshest honey I've ever had in my life, um, the the breakfast spread. Um, When we woke up in the morning, you have, when they dug out of the hill, our room, as it were, you can go out your front door as it is, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, and then you have a little patio-ish thing where you can outlook. And in the morning... The hot air balloons were going up for their ride for the day, so you yeah. can wake up and see hot air balloons. So it, it was, was cool. It was a unique. It's it was a unique part of the country to begin with, but yes. then on top of it, staying in that hotel, I'm glad we did because it's. It was also like took you. 
you felt like you were in your own little corner of the world, as it were. And I felt like this was my own little cave in the world. So would I stay in a cave hotel again? Yeah, that one was <laughs> nice. It was a wonderful experience. I, we weren't cold at night. Were we cold? No, no. Exactly. It was very comfortable. Was I very think before comfy. we did it, did you feel you might be drafty or Yeah, cold? I thought it would be like when you go into a cave, it's kind of, um, <laughs> it's cold a little bit and always like 54 degrees. There'd be a like, bat hanging out in the corner no, and a slag might slag no, tight. I didn't think that. I just felt... I don't know, and not murky. There's a certain word that I'm just, apparently I don't know my words today, but it's just, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like it would be as cozy as it was, but it was quite cozy and nice. So to me, it was dank. a... That's dank. That's the word. I thought oh. it would be dank. <laughs> as that, opposed to stank. No, it's like that damp, dank, feel, uh, oh, damp, damp feeling that you feel when you go into a cave. I'm down with dank. But I'm down with that for a word. Yeah. But it, no, it wasn't. It was quite cozy. It, I see. It, it, it's Camberley approved. Well, of the three I've listed so far, that was probably the happiest of the three I've listed thus far, just because it was a it was a wonderful experience experience, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I did. So the next one is kind of interesting. Again, one of those things that you don't know if you're going to hit it or not. We had locked out. But this was traveling to Japan. And this was during cherry blossom season. And here's the thing. You never know when cherry blossoms are going to happen in life. <laughs> you just don't. It's nature. It's much like the Northern Lights. Who knows? You have a better shot. But the thing is, with a lot of people with Japan, you book it way in advance. And so booking it way in advance, you may miss it. You know, it may be snowy later or it you know, may warm up earlier. Who knows? But we actually nailed it. Nailed it. And it was a really cheap flight. And oh, usually yeah. it's more expensive during cherry blossom time. And But this was just really cheap. And I just... We didn't go to any of the places outside of Tokyo way out that celebrate the festivals and things. We didn't opt to do that because we didn't know if we'd make it or not. But... Um, you walk around Ueno Park, is it? Ueno? Mm -hmm. And then going to Kyoto and Nara and seeing the cherry blossoms. I've loved cherry blossoms ever since I was a child. I was just enchanted with them as a little girl. And I remember talking to my mom about it. And she goes, oh, well, they come from Japan. If you want to see beautiful cherry blossoms, you go to Japan. I'm thinking, I'm never going to go to Japan because I never really, you know, I didn't come. I came from a very humble background, so I never thought I would travel and do the things that I have. And so it just was like this childhood dream kind of, and it happened. And I've always loved cherry blossoms, and especially seeing them at night dancing around with the lights, because Japan likes to light things up, especially with beautiful lanterns. And sometimes it would rain, and so the ground would have rain on it, and then the moon and the lights would bounce off of it. And then you would see these beautiful cherry blossoms in the light. And it was just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I just loved it so much in the scent and all the people coming out from winter in Japan and putting out their blue tarps and you wait in a park and sitting there having picnics and things with their friends. It just brings out the side of happiness in the Japanese people too. You can see it's a great joy and uh, they love walking around in it. I love walking around in it. It was beautiful. So basically I'm, I think at one point you called it nature's fireworks. Nature's fireworks, baby. That's so basically, what I call the cherry blossoms. So basically like you described it like a sense of happiness or unity. It's almost like actual fireworks that we've hit yeah, like. Yeah, where everybody's like, ah, yeah, you could just see people walking around and smiling and taking pictures with it and touching them. And what's beautiful about it is it's not a smartphone. It's not a TV. It's not the newest gadget. It's something 
natural it's beautiful nature and people celebrating that and it's bringing smiles to people's faces and unifying everyone and it's just beautiful and i think what's interesting to me is you talked about um how it's elusive that you yeah. they may or may not happen i would argue the cherry blossoms are less elusive than the northern lights or well eh, no. northern lights have a stronger longer season they do the cherry blossoms i think are more difficult because a lot of people book stuff like six months a year in advance they it's like do, you know but you basically know what like month they're gonna hit but to be fair i mean you can see them elsewhere though too but it's something about japan like you can see them in dc you can see them in brooklyn we saw them in them. korea as well absolutely but i'm saying when i think of cherry blossoms maybe because of my childhood japan's like how oh. I think about it. Oh, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying as far as when we were talking about replicating, if you want to see the cherry blossoms. Oh, absolutely. I feel in a lot of places. You, but you also know what time of year, you basically know it's going to be. Sure. April-ish. Sure. April-ish. But I think for me, it was just the whole experience of being in Japan and hearing the language yeah. and seeing people of Japan enjoying something that they're known for and having that pride mm. and loving it and... That makes great. it a little bit more elusive because you're trying to see it in one specific And place. that one guy laughing at me for doing a jump photo. <laughs> I was Torres. doing a jump photo and this lovely Japanese man, when I looked at the pictures later, was laughing and pointing at me. <laughs> he is not the first to laugh at you. He is not, will not be the last. Do you remember no, South Korea? This, Do you remember I those know, guys laughing know, at you? I know, but he had this, this, just, this beautiful like face on him and, and it, he had such joy over my stupidity. So you approve of his laughter? I, no, because it wasn't cruel. It was like happiness and like right. look at her you know he's probably like crazy westerner you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah see wow well, yeah he probably yeah. was so my uh next one is ah uh, yeah it's unique because i don't know where else i could see this it was on our trip to the czech republic Mm-hmm. And we and, and it wasn't another cemetery, but ironically enough, it is related to death still. Oh, so apparently, no. this is oh no, this isn't a, well. You okay. were there. I don't think yeah. it's bad. It was no. the it was, they called it the Sedlak Ossuary. Yeah, it was the skeleton church. Why did you say oh no? Uh, <laughs> Why did you say oh no? I, I don't know. It's kind of morbid. It's morbid, but it was unique. That's true. I felt like it was a unique experience yeah. again. Well, Kimberly suggested this one. I don't know that I was gung ho on it. I don't know that I was like, yeah, let's do it. It was a, it was, what would you say, hour? Hour train ride it outside of Prague? It was about an hour, hour 15 outside Prague. Yeah, it yeah. was It was a train ride. And then once you got off the train, you'd walk a little bit to get to this um, area. Basically, what happened was during, correct me on any of this if I'm remembering it incorrectly, it was the plague. So many people had passed away. They oh, ran yeah. out of burial locations. So basically what they did is they took the bones of people who had passed and constructed a church, quote unquote, in the basement of a, um, I think it was a Roman Catholic church, actually. I think so. It's much like in Paris. Where uh, they, where, to, yes, but this yeah. is actually more of a structure. Right. It was a structure while the other one was more building walls. Right. Yeah. This, yeah. These were actually built into a little uh, structure and they were a little like... Um, places where you could worship altars, I guess I would say, that were actually... chandeliers. Yeah, they they actually... They really went for it, unlike Paris. We had... (laughs) Yeah. So, so basically, I felt it was a unique experience that I I don't know I can get everywhere. That was... Did you like it, though? So, basically, I'm interpreting that question as, would I do it again? I don't know. I do like the woman. Remember the woman's response? 
Uh, no. In, in a magazine, because or no, it was a website. I read it, and they asked the woman who does tickets there. They, yeah. go, are you afraid working here? Does it scare you? And she goes, No. She's they're dead. She's I'm more afraid of the living, which uh. is really interesting. She's like, Why? Why are you afraid of this? Is death? You know, it's done for them. So it's like I'm more afraid of other people. And I'm like, Ah, you know. But this is the Czech Republic. I guess they've seen a lot of bad things in their history. So, uh. I mean, it's true. And I'm not. Laughing. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I get it. It's, no, it's I'm a saying very difficult area historically you know with a lot of changes and things so would i do it again uh, i don't know because I, I, it was more your like you kind of <laughs> i did con me not con convinced me that's a better word than con convinced me into doing it and i don't regret it it was more if i had been by myself would i have chosen it mm, i don't know because i, I People who know me know how I feel. Uh, Torres, how am I with the uh, like the Walking Dead TV show? Do I like watching that? You don't. You tend to like things that are a little bit more um, uplifting or, or, or uh, mysterious, almost, or things that aren't don't ha- that have little hope. And for me, I like horror flicks. I was raised off of them. Um, it doesn't bug me. Like I've seen every zombie flick, and I I think it's funny because I know it's not real. So I tend to not take it as seriously, but I take other things seriously. But that's the way he does over me. And that's why, for me, I was kind of like, would I do it again? I don't know that when I go to a place, I research like that. I mean, I'll I'll be interested in unique things, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I would actively seek out a skeleton church. And then go and I start and travel an hour and fifteen minutes outside of Prague to see it. Yeah. So, uh, would I do it again? I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, I'm saying I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. I didn't, I mean, it was interesting. I, I am a firm believer that when you go to a foreign country, you should not spend all of your time in a major city. You Absolutely. should get out and about and see more of the countryside and see, I feel you get more, a better taste of the culture when you get out of the bigger sure. cities because you see a wider variety of people, if that makes sense. Yeah, because to, even to a degree, even if you're in cities, that tends to change the whole vibe of the actual culture. You know, yeah. it's just when you go outside of a city, I think you find more real culture. Not that a city is not real culture. New York City definitely has its own culture. But I feel like a lot of people go, oh, Americans are like New York City people. We're not. No, we're not. Everybody's very different. And so I agree with you there. I think you need to go outside and really see what it's like. Not that you're going to in a week, but more so than if you just stayed in a city. And so it was a unique experience. It wasn't um, necessarily the most expensive experience. It was unique. <laughs> That it was. That it was. (laughs) So, this last one for me, and and I may have to do a couple honorable mentions, and I won't go too long into them, because I'm finding this really difficult, because even the more we talk, the more I go, oh my god, it's like... I'm like some 85-year-old person going over my life. It was a but, skeleton church, wasn't it? That's, that's your honorable totally, mention, isn't it? It was See? totally. So this one wasn't actually on my list, but it popped into my list because when I was in Ireland, I went uh, with a good friend of mine, and um, we just drove around the country. And this wasn't even on my list, so I don't even know the name right offhand. It was in Gort. I do remember that, which is on the western side of Ireland, which people think, oh, Ireland's all pretty. If you're near Dublin, it's not going to be as scenic as if you go to the western side off the Shannon Airport. And it's called Gort. And what it was was an old monastery that tourists don't know about. Somebody that used to travel a lot, um, she told me about this place. Uh, I used to work with her, and she was like, this is kind of a secret little place a lot of tourists don't know about. She knows that I found because of some local. Um, And so I went, 
and it was kind of hard to find. It's in the middle of nowhere, and it's this old monastery, and you can see all the, you know, Celtic crosses and things of the people who had been buried, and there's this huge tower with the small window, and I don't really know how the monks got in there, but it was a secret place that they would hide when invaders would come in and things. It tells you how old this was. And there would be that small little window. And the people coming in had no idea because they wanted to kill off the monks and things. You know, the whole religious persecution and things over the centuries in Europe. And they would hide in there and the people didn't know how to get in there. So the tower's still there. A lot of the structures are still there. Some of them have fallen. But what I think is interesting about it was there were no tourists there. You know, you'll see in big sites in Ireland tourists, you know, in a lot of these places. And there it wasn't. It was just us. And at that moment, we both kind of split up and kind of did our own thing because it's small. And walked around and there were families from the area walking their dog in there. And it was just... Um, the history of it and the feeling of it and it was windy and so quiet and it was just a nice escape away from a lot of the tourist things um though when you're on the ring there's not there's places you can go that isn't touristy but there are some like the cliffs of moor is just oh yeah it was like after that and it is interesting to see but it's one of those things where i'm like i need to get away from this and it was just beautiful and i'll post pictures of it because um it'll give you a better clue of it but it's just this small like ancient like Irish place monastery and there's no tourists it's just the locals walking around and looking at it and it's absolutely beautiful there was only five people in the two hours that we were there I, I loved it mm. yeah mm -mm. I, I guess where I'm getting a little bit fuzzy is I understand the experience was unique and one of the things it was like a place that not everybody knows about what was it that spoke to you that made you love it so much I guess that's where I'm getting fuzzy. Fuzzy? The experience is you're not going to find... Here's the thing with Ireland. You're just going to find random ruins left behind from old times. And it's kind of the same thing in Italy, especially Rome. You'll find old things, but it's a big city. This was away from the city. It's just you'll find these random ah. like little castles in the middle of Ireland that are completely empty. Like, nobody... Own, people own the land, but nobody goes there. It's just random. So I'm hearing it's kind of like the snow globe experience without the snow. No, it wasn't the snow globe experience <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to copyright that no, phrase, no, but No, no, yeah. no, as it was... Um, just, you don't see things like this in the U.S. There would be, like, things all around it saying, step away, or like Stonehenge. You have to stay this far away from it. No, you could go right up into it. Got it. And you can't do that in most places. Got it. And people respect it because people don't know about it. And so it just is. And it's the same way that it was in the 1400s as it is today. You know, except it's fallen apart in some ways. But it's just, you don't see that in the U.S. You don't see that. I'm sure you do in other parts of the world, but We're not it's so enough. accessible. It was just so accessible. It was just so cool. And I just remember it being windy and... Kind of cold, but I didn't care. Mm. So unique. Yeah. So my last one, and I don't know. Uh, Camberly might need to cover her ears on this one, oh, just because no. I don't know that she liked this one so much. But I felt it was unique. It's in Japan. Oh no. We were we were going to Japan, and I had so so cover your ears, Therese. Mm -hmm. She doesn't necessarily like it as much, but before we went there, she was gung ho. She was gung ho about it, and she wanted to go, so we went. And we, I came across this, I think it was ABC, but I don't remember the news channel, but I had seen them visit it. 
And I'm like, oh my goodness, we're going to Japan. We must try to do this. And it was a um, izikaya, which is like a, a pub or a bar in Japan. So basically they serve alcohol, but they also have like food, not necessarily the most healthy food, but food. Um, and it was a izikaya with monkey waiters. So we're like, oh, we, we should do this. We should do this. And so it was a ways out of Tokyo, but we had had the JR pass, which gives us free like transportation for a full week. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, okay, let's do this. And, and one of the things I found, once I found the actual izakaya that has the monkey waiters, I saw on their website that the owner prides himself on speaking English, but you need a reservation. So I did an international call to Japan to make a reservation. And I had my little Japanese English dictionary in front of me just in case, and the owner's wife answered. So, and her English was not good. So, I was attempting to speak Japanese, and she was attempting to speak English, but I think I had more Japanese going on than she had English, which I get, that's fine. My big frustration about this whole phone call was trying to, I guess this is a unique experience of making the reservation in and of itself, because I knew not to say the word hi, because hi means yes and, oh, it means two things. It means a lot of things. Yeah, so it does. I, it's kind of like mahalo. It just is all encompassing. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> yes or okay. And, and she kept on saying hi. And I did. I kept on saying ie, which is no. I knew ie. Because, or I, I didn't know how to say I'm not sure, which which is harder to say in Japanese yeah. when you're when you're going through a Japanese-English dictionary very quickly to try to translate in your head to her. We got the reservation at work, and it was, oh, it was a ways outside of... Tokyo, and then once we got there, it was a walk because we didn't take a cab, and we were being cheapy cheap. Uh, maybe a half an hour, forty minutes. I don't remember how long the walk minutes. was. Yeah. Forty minutes. Kimberly was a bit concerned we were getting lost, and I'm like, I got this. What's confusing about Japan was some of their streets will have the same name, like two streets yeah. or three streets will have the same name, or, or they won't necessarily differentiate on a map what's a driveway and what's a road or what's a dead end road, and it got a little bit. Uh, but I got us there. At any rate, so we got to the monkey waiter place, and the monkey waiters have costumes, and they would bring you over your beverage, and they had food. I will say you are definitely, the price you are paying is definitely for the monkey waiter slash entertainment, because the food, the best part was the pot stickers. I will say that, or yeah. the dumplings. And when I talked to somebody about it, they said, well, that's because that region of Japan is known for the pot stickers yeah, and the dumplings. those were really good. And they were really good. Were they pork or chicken? What do we have? Do you remember? I don't have pork, so it would have to be... Have to? We, yeah. we did have chicken for sure? Okay. Yeah. We didn't have a mix of both? We may have. I we don't may. remember. Yeah, but she, Kimberly doesn't eat pork, so if there were, if there were, she apparently had some dumplings, and dumplings were yeah. good. Um, and they interrupted our dinner at one point for a quote-unquote monkey show, which is a little burlesque. Um, show that was um, interesting, but it was unique. It was a unique experience. Yes, it was. Do you have anything you'd like to add or you're okay? Um, (laughs) Looking back at who I am now versus then, it was definitely unique, but that being said, I would not recommend it. Okay. Um, And because? Because I feel like um, I'm better educated and it's not, it's kind of animal cruelty to me. These animals weren't meant to do this. That's something that humans are putting on them. They're not domesticated and they're being forced to be domesticated. And with some of the things that I saw at the show, I feel like some of it's done by aggression, um, by the, you know, the way it's trained. And I don't feel that it's right. I just don't. Um. Uh, especially when it came to the boxing match that they did. And he, oh, he the slapped the monkey match. in the face to make it fight back. And at that point, I felt ashamed of myself for being there. 
So for me, I'm a big advocate of animals and people and things that can't look out for themselves. And I kind of wish I hadn't done it. But that's me. And I'm sorry I'm putting a downer on it because I know people are like, but it's fun. But it's like when you go visit tigers and things that have been drugged to pet them, this, this isn't right. It's just not. And so that's something that I won't do anymore unless it's a sanctuary. And I can guarantee that the animals are, you know, it is a sanctuary and they're being protected. Would you go to a zoo? I used to, and now I actually won't. I used to love them, and now okay. I would only go to a sanctuary instead. There's other okay. ways to do it. You can see these animals who can't go back in the wild. And so I know I kind of went off on a tangent. No, I mean, I knew she, when we went, she was, I, I want to say, were you almost as excited as I was before we got there? Yeah, I was. Yes. Um, I think that afterwards she felt differently than beforehand. Yep. I don't know that my emotional reaction was as strong as Camberley's mm-hmm. was. I might argue Camberley's love of animals goes deeper than mine. Yeah. But I will also say I've never hunted in my entire life, have I? Well, no. neither have I. Have I, I ever did that. No, but I'm saying And I'm not going to judge spectrum. people yeah. for doing that. If it's legal and you have a license for it, it's not my place to tell you you can't. No, I'm just using a reference point as far as, like, love of animals and stuff, yeah. like animal cruelty type stuff. Mm-hmm. And that we're not getting political on that no, or going into no, that. No, That's no. just how you and I differ. Would I do it again? I don't know. Yeah. Have I been to a zoo and would I go to a zoo? I've been to a zoo and I probably would go again. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm just bringing that up as a... As a yeah. No, and I'm and not going to judge people about yeah. that. that and that's, so, you know. and that's why I asked Cameron's opinion and I knew she should cover her ears because I knew that afterwards we had discussed how she didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I did. Yeah. The dumplings were good. The dumplings were really... And, and the monkeys had on cute costumes. <laughs> The dumplings were good. <laughs> so, so we don't want to make this too long. But I basically, I'm going to do quickly. Because it was so hard for me just to stop there. And it's just ones that were so close. One was Cinque Terre in Italy. Um, the last trip I got to take before we all got in lockdown. I really love this place. I almost don't want to advertise it because it's already too overcrowded because of cruise ships. But um, Cinque Terre is a small little fishing, <laughs> which means five lands. It's a small... Um, fishing town with five different basically kind of like islands or lands and it's just very cool if there with the nights when nobody was there because we went in the off season it was really cool beautiful views and just so unique i love it and then <laughs> are you gonna say anything about cruise ships or you're good no okay, I'm not okay. Say anything. so then the the other actually another one quickly fjords in norway I would like to go back and see more fjords. Very interesting. It's where the glaciers cut out these beautiful areas. Very cool. And then lastly, the Isle of Skye in Scotland. It was another one of those snow globe moments. I see. Because when you hike in the Man man of Store, it feels, again, it's grassy, beautiful, and it felt like I was in a snow globe. Again, I was walking around, and you hike. Be prepared to hike. This isn't, this is serious hiking, people. So, it was just, it was just beautiful. Grassy, beautiful green. Um, an experience that I've never had again, but I would love to go back to Isle of Sky because it's that freaking special. I see. I, I guess then I have to do honorable mention, don't yeah. I? So if I had to, I'd agree with the fjords of Norway. I'd agree with Northern Lights. The reason why Northern Lights wasn't on my five is because I don't know that it, it's so easily replicated. Um, and I feel like it's different than the Kafka Cemetery. Sure. Because you can have Northern Lights in multiple countries. Yeah. Kafka is not buried in multiple countries. I hope not. Um, no, that would be interesting. <laughs> um, and I guess the, while, and you weren't, 
I did a day by myself in Portugal, and I took a train to the coast and went hiking by myself. Yeah. Um, the I want to say Devil's Eye, but um, Portugal. There's some land right there on the the ocean. Basically, we're looking out on the Atlantic, and I remember thinking to myself, because uh, <laughs> I was hiking by myself. And it was a little bit rocky, and I mean, we've mentioned before about uh, Mockley and about Korea and how sometimes I, I'm not always doing some of the most uh, intelligent choices mm-hmm. when I'm hiking. And I remember hiking in Portugal going, you know what, this is where I'm going to die. This is it, right here, right now, hiking by myself in Portugal. I didn't. I'm alive. I, I made it through. <laughs> but that was, that was a unique experience, because I, I did feel... It's another one of those edge of the world kind of experience for me because you are like at the edge of the Atlantic or like the Atlantic's right there and you're like, wow, it's a long ways to the next piece of land. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So yeah, those are, that's a little bit of highlights for you of the trips that we've taken and maybe it'll inspire you once everything opens to go check it out. We'll be putting up pictures on our Facebook page. And, yeah. Hopefully you'll be able to make some unique travel experiences of your own (laughs) once we... That's right. You can. And, yeah. Have that possibility. On that note, live your life as an exclamation, not an explanation.